Someone's having a party for the top ten. The senior class snobs. Before they get to celebrate, six of them will die in the most bizarre ways you'll ever see. Virginia, don't go away. Come over here, Virginia. It is up to you to determine whether you wish to subject yourself to fear, terror, and shock. They know how to make you smile. You're already here, why don't you stay a while? Kick back, relax, you freaks. They're playing all the tricks and taking all of the treats. Grab a whiskey and hang on tight. Smoke that bong with all your might. They write books, but that ain't all. One short and smooth and one is hairy and tall. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. They argue about everything and then drive each other so insane. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Best buds talking book of the week and all the horror stuff that they think is neat. Hanging loose through in ridiculous read. Not cause we deserve it, cause it's what we need. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. They argue about everything and drive each other so insane. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Welcome to Vital Social Issues and Stare with Chris and John Wayne. I am John Wayne. You know that with me as always is Christopher Triana, the great and powerful Christopher. How are you, sir? Hey, hey, hey. How you doing, John Wayne? I'm quite, quite well, sir. And you know, one of the reasons why I'm quite well is that the Summer of Slashers has continuing on and we have, uh, like we've been doing, we've had guests on and, uh, this week is no exception. As it rolls on, we have another guest that's a return guest, actually. Yes, uh, yes. By, popu- by popular demand, mainly by me, um, because he yes. gets a lot of my jokes. He gets a lot of my La Bamba-related jokes and humor. Um, yeah. And and I, he's also uh, a fancy, uh, like awesome fucking writer. You know him from Genital Grinder. You know him from Night Stalkers with the great christopher triana here and pandemonium with lucas mangum and many more new books that are coming out we'll talk about him he's here he loves metal he loves to put just sharp shit up your ass and twist it his name is ryan harding what's up dude i'm ryan harding you might remember me from such podcasts as vital social issues and stuff episode 40 and after school specials like necrophilia the silent killer Simpsons, Beautiful. we love it. Beautiful. Joy McClure, yes. Uh, what's up, dude? Good to see you, man. Good. Thank you for coming back to the show. You, we did a two-part death metal episode, epic episodes together, and now you're back uh, for the summer of slashers. We appreciate it. And I'm I'm stoked to be back as the first return guest, first writer guest to return. It's, Boom! It's pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. Yes. I, my mom is going to be jealous. She hasn't appeared once. 
Or maybe she did. No, she did appear she once. She appeared once. She oh, did. now she's yeah. going to be like, I got to get on two more times, you stupid bitches. So <laughs> yeah. we're going to, and she does call us stupid bitches anyway, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it's her pet name for us. Yeah. She's really intense. She's yeah, but she loves intensely is what it yes, is. She does. Um, it's all out of love. Yes, exactly. We're excited to have you again, man. Um, welcome back, Chris. I do want to ask you something. You had a very exciting weekend. Uh, a yeah. cool event that you went to horror related and I would like to hear about all about it because I resisted asking you because I want us to talk about it here you mm-hmm. texted me from it but go, go ahead go ahead I did I, I texted you a little bit just to say wish you were here um, I wish no, I uh, the the Mahoeing drive-in in Pennsylvania um, they did a they do an event every year called uh, VHS fest where it's a drive-in and they show like shot on video and obscure movies on VHS and, you know, project them on the big screen and have people come out for them. So VHS Fest part five is what I went to this past weekend. Uh, And they were showing some of my favorite cult films, including um, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, Black Past and uh, Killing Spree amongst others. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had special guests. Linnea Quigley was there. Uh, Asbestos Felt uh, from Killing Spree was there, and a surprise guest that uh, that I did not know was going to be there. It wasn't advertised or or anything like that on the um, on the on the posters. Is uh, well, I'll tell you what happened. Is you know I was very excited to go and see. Of Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers on the big screen because you know I absolutely love Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. It's one of my favorite cult films. Mm. Uh, and so we're there on the first day and the Friday, and it's completely pouring rain. It's absolutely pouring, uh, and so bad that like the the actual building where they have the concession stand and where people sign autographs, like Olympia Quigley was there. They had people in there with squeegees, like like pushing the water out the doors because it was ap- like the place was flooding. It was so it, it was it was an inside building that w- the water was coming into. Like it wasn't yeah, a makeshift yeah. building. Like whoa, co- oh, that's no, sucked. no, no. It was it was a building, but it's like on low ground, and so yeah, like, the yeah. water was pouring. It was like coming in, and they had guys like using sque- push squeegees to get it out of the the doors. Uh, yeah, so Linnea Quigley's there with like her feet up on the table, like trying not to get wet. You know, it was absolutely hilarious. Good luck, uh, Linnea, if you were there, right. Chris. I'm sure. You know. Yeah. Totally. Good luck not getting wet. That's true. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, you know, so like, I expected there to be a lot more vendors at this, this event, and we show up, and there's only a few tents set up. You know, it's outside. But uh, I'm talking with Asbestos Felt from Killing Spree. He's a star of Killing Spree. And he was, a, he was a fun guy, very much a beach bum kind of guy. And I'm talking with him, and I see to my left that there's, these, there's an older gentleman talking with some people, and uh, he's signing uh, posters of Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. And so I'm looking at him, and I'm like, oh, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, I'm like, okay, you're clearly not any of the babes from that movie. Uh, you know, so I, I walk Process over of and elimination. I, uh, yeah, I walk over. And I'm like, are, I'm so I'm sorry. Are you Fred Olin Ray? And and he's like, yeah, I am. And I was like, holy fucking shit. Why didn't they advertise you on the poster? He's just the director of Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. He wrote it, produced it, directed it. He also did other horror movies like Scalps and stuff. He, he did a couple of different things. But uh, 
So I was super happy to meet him. And the guy was awesome. He was great. He was like, he had these posters for other chainsawers that he was signing. And he didn't yeah. charge anybody. He was just like, all I ask is that you make a donation to this Veterans Foundation. It could be a dollar. Uh-huh. It could be $20, whatever you want. And I'll sign this and give it to you. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, he was a really, really cool dude. Uh, and then, this, the, so that was the first day. And then the second day, uh, the weather cleared up and it was nice and cool. Like, it actually got cold at night. Like, everyone was wearing hoodies and stuff. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, it was beautiful. And we watched. It gets hotter here at night. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it was really beautiful. It was like the stars were out, fireflies were out, and and the place was packed. Apparently, it was their biggest night ever. They had 700 people show up to this thing. Uh, and all of the vendors that I expected to be there on Friday were there on Saturday. The place had tons of tents, tons of vendors selling VHS tapes and shirts and other things. Uh, and uh, yeah, we had a really awesome time. It was great. Uh, and I went... My friend Tangie came with me, and we met up with uh, fellow authors C.V. Hunt, Anderson Prunty, and on the second day, even Wes Southard uh, got dragged out to it. Uh, so it was really a great time. It, it looked like you guys had fun. You sent me a picture of uh, you and Carrie and Andy and Tangie, and mm. Tangie was like, did a little pose with like a foot leg up and shit. Mm. And I, you know that you know it's those times when you just get sad. I saw that picture. I was like, God damn it, dude. Tangie's got yeah. a leg up of Carrie and Andy. What am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? I'm here. So, of course, hey, I turned off well, the lights and I listened to the first four Sabbath albums in the dark and I, well, I could cry. To be, fair, um, to, be, but, to be fair, though, like you get to go out and have fun adventures all the time. Like, no, I know. Was, it wasn't that. Was, it was I just wanted I to be with you guys. That well, was no, I, we, we wanted you there, too. That's why I sent you that message. I said the only thing missing is you. Yeah. yeah. I know, uh, but, but, there was uh, a- but, but like I hadn't, I had not left my town in a year and a half. This is my first time leaving town in a year and a half, dude. So it was a big deal for me. I know. I bet you like ripped it up and I would like to have been there to rip it up in the wake. But oh my God. I'm we glad, stayed up I'm glad we, you guys had a fucking killer ass time. So. Dude, we stayed up till like two, three in the morning and stuff. It was oh. crazy stuff that I never, never do. It was, it was really a lot of fun. It was a great time. Uh, and, uh, and it's funny because I told Carrie about this event on the show when she was on the yeah. show last and, uh, and her eyes lit up when I told her about all these shitty trash films that were going to be shown. And, uh, and so she ended up coming all the way out there, uh, and dragging Andy with her. So it was great. It was awesome. Hell yeah. So they Hell showed yeah. black past. They did, but here's the thing, dude, like, they they showed it really really late like they didn't start showing the movies until like 9 30 at night you know uh, waiting for it to get dark and so it was uh i wish they showed black past earlier because they showed the first night it was hollywood chainsaw hookers rabbit grannies and black past and we were so tired from traveling that day and everything else that we didn't stick around even through the end of rabbit grannies uh, and I was sad because nobody else had seen Black Pass but me. I have it on DVD. I love Black Pass. Yeah, Black Pass is great. Oh, yeah. it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Um, hmm. But we didn't make it through to that one. And then the second night, they showed um, Killing Spree, Savage Harvest, and Sorority Babes in the Slime Ball Bolorama. Uh, and we didn't make it to Slime Ball Bolorama. We didn't make it because it was just on too late, you know. Um, but I wish Black Past had been shown earlier uh, because I would have loved to see like my main my main thing that I wanted to see was Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. But Black Past was like 
second place of what I would would have really liked to have seen. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, we were just too tired. Yeah. And you said Wes loved all of these films that he saw, right? <laughs> oh God, no, no. Wes showed up only for Saturday. He only showed up and he watched uh, the kill, uh, Killing Spree, which is hilarious and great. Uh, and he watched uh, Savage Harvest, which was the only one that none of us had seen. And man, what a steaming pile of shit that movie is. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but no, Wes was just like, oh God. Well, I guess that was a movie, you know? Like you know, Wes, like he, very he, succinct. He, He's, I guess that was a movie. Credits at the he, top, credits at the that's, bottom, that's shit in between. <laughs> that's what he said. He was just like, uh, you know, and I and I told him, I was like, I'm so glad you're here because I knew you would hate all of this because <laughs> you only appreciate like super mainstream stuff. So yeah, <laughs> yeah it was it was funny. Like the Spice Girls. But uh for he more, does, tune in, tune into our future se- our future segment, 45 seconds, Wes's wine. This is whining, and it'll be there. Or, uh, or there's the yeah. name is up. The name is up for you know debate right now. We have like a, the bitch corner. I think uh, what, I think I think Wes's wine. Is, I do. It's the, it's the two I Ws. the alliteration. I really I yeah. do. So I feel like that's the way to go. I, I feel think like Wes. I think Wes's wine will be our new segment where he just whines about something and uh, for like a minute. And then we cut him off in mid sentence because we can't stand to listen to him anymore. Ding ding ding! Like once it, <laughs> once it once it goes off, you're just cut off. That's it. So we love you, Wes. Um, well, we we do, but uh, at this event, he also told me that he hates Big Trouble in Little China, so I don't love him oh, so much anymore. That's yeah. right. That was a. Uh, I can't believe you brought that back up. I was trying to forget it. Yeah. You told I, for the I show. Uh, Greatest I, movie ever made. He doesn't like it, and so this is how you know he's a whiny little bitch. So. <laughs> <laughs> shots fired dude shots fired we'll see when it comes hey, to he comes he asked for packet. it he asked for it open his i mean that's uh mouth. oh man that's a good Ins- movie I know. insults my favorite movie of all time of course I'm gonna you insult him a little bit yeah you insult yeah, him a yeah. little bit you know that's right anyway anyway so how are you guys that's what have you guys off. been up to that's enough about me what have you guys been up to brian what have you been doing dude just for the guest. Well, I've been listening to the Night Stalkers audiobook. Nice. Which has turned out great. Been having a lot of fun reliving all the uh, splatter and gore and uh, <laughs> the botcheries that we threw in there, a lot of which I've kind of forgot about in the interim, but it's been nice right. to get the reminder. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're doing the review of that right now, Ryan and I listening to the recording uh the mm-hmm. narrator uh spencer I don't, I don't know if i should like he, he goes by two different names he's chuck or spencer i'm not sure which one he wants to use but anyway he did uh he did the narration for toxic love and he did an excellent job so i asked him back for night stalkers and uh yeah he's really good he's really a good performer so and uh that's a, kill, that's also, a killer book so excited yeah thank you that, so. um i also but uh, doing finishing touches on the second collection, uh, follow up to Genital Grinder that uh, Death's Head's going to be doing. Awesome. So I got that sent to Jared. It's called Transcendental Mutilation. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> that is a good. That's that's a good title. Transcendental <laughs> Mutilation. I go there each night. Anyway. Um. Cool. Fuck hell yeah. And that's uh is there a release for that one yet? Or are we talking about talk that on Book of the Week or no? 
No, not uh, that. I have your book of the week. Yeah, yeah, it's not I that sent one. It it's a different one. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can talk about that. It doesn't matter. I'll talk about all of it. Um, yeah, we'll talk about whatever we want. Um, cool. And you know what? That might even be a good segue. It might be, dude. It might be. It could bring us right into book of the week. <laughs> Book Book of the week. (laughs) Book of the week. And as we've been doing with uh, Summer of Slashers. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, Guillermo del Toro, calm down there. Let's uh, let's all just. uh, He's sitting a lot of three pointers. You know, you scare me very much when you do those masks. I get scared. (laughs) I'm scared. scared. You are, but only in in a sexy way. But. Uh, so this week, book of the week, of course, we talked to our, our, our guests, our authors that we have for, for, uh, summer of slashers and Ryan, your new book, um, that we are going to talk about, uh, today is, uh, is called re, what is it? Re not reincarnage. It's the, the thing. Tell me about it. What is it? It is called reincursion. That's it. I was, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it I right now. It. I sent it to you. Yeah. No, I know. I'm looking at the thing, and all I could see was reincar that after reincarnage is all I could see. But this is reincursion, and it's a sequel to reincarnage. Yes, um, it is standalone, but it is a, a follow up. More the further adventures of Agent Orange and misadventures of everybody who comes within a very close <laughs> radius of him. Right. Um, do you mind, do you mind if I read the, the copy for it or would you, do you, would you like to read it or, uh, Oh, you, you go ahead You're the, you're the, the uh, professional narrator. They put my pipes. This is true. <laughs> Here is where he kills. In 1996, the undead killer known as agent orange escaped the confines of the walled off town of Morgan for what became known as the Sandalwood slaughter. In response, the government evacuated Sandalwood and expanded the wall around it. They're going to build this wall. It's going to be a really great, great wall. That was not. Access to the so-called kill zone is forbidden, but not impossible. The body count continues 20 years later. Prowlers like Evan guide small groups into the mysterious territory. He agrees to take a fellow Sandalwood exile back to their lost home, but they won't be alone for long. Five college students are also attempting a dangerous challenge known as the Gauntlet. When their paths cross with a desperate group exploiting Morgan's unnatural phenomena for a miracle cure, all their objections will become the same. Survive the inhuman slayer, always hunting for heads to mount in his domain. Six years after reincarnage comes the standalone hyperviolent follow-up from Ryan Harding and Jason Taverner. Greater suspense, higher stakes, and massive gore quotient befitting the trap-and-kill mayhem of the newest slasher icon. He knows they're inside. There's nowhere he won't find them, and there's no death that would pass with an R rating. The only way to exit is going piece by piece. Reincursion. Dun dun dun. dun, 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 dun. <laughs> um, so that sounds rad as shit already. Um, Thank you. So tell yeah, us t- about this. Yeah, tell us. Well, it's been a few years in the making. We had a couple of delays with it, but uh, it's our follow-up to Reincarnage, which incidentally will be getting a reprint from Death's Head, hopefully released at the same time, the first week of August, uh, shooting for August Sep- 3rd. Separate book? Jared said. Separate books? Yeah. Or, uh, okay. yeah. Uh, he's actually, Jared's actually going to try to do uh, mass market kind of paperbacks of both of them, I think. 
Oh, hell yeah, dude. Because nice. uh, is he going through that printer? The printer in Texas that he was talking about for those? Or do you know? I'm not sure. You're not uh, sure? I, I, lo- I love that, though. So if he's going to go for the mass market paperback uh, look, I'm, I'm so all right. I'm in love with that already. So anyway, sorry. I got really yeah. excited. Yeah, so anybody who didn't catch Reincarnage on the first go-around, or even if you have, uh, Jason and I came up with about 17,000 bonus words for it, some extra chapters, and some more kills. So Boner words, I like yeah, to call them. Nice. Re- revisiting Reincarnage, but so in re- Reincursion is a different kind of story, but it still ends up in the kill zone, and Agent Orange is off doing his thing as violently as we we could possibly make it so uh hopefully everybody who enjoyed the gore the first one will be quite satisfied with this one and maybe shocked and surprised a little bit oh i'm sure they will be knowing you (laughs) yeah no that's that's great man yeah so like so not only you have the the reincursion but you've got uh reincarnage coming out in a revised edition with added material so that's really cool Right. Yeah, it's it's been, a, like I said, a long time coming on the second one, but uh, we're, we're excited for everybody to see it. And Alex McVeigh's done really cool cover art for it. And I'm sure he'll do great for uh, the Reincarnage. I haven't I haven't seen that artwork yet, but the cover of Reincursion looks really cool. Nice. Yeah, oh, yeah. no, he's a very talented cover artist. He's very good. He's done a, a couple of books with uh, Death's Head, uh, including one of mine that's coming up. And uh, yeah, he's a great artist. Mm-hmm. and when is this coming out did you do we have a release date for it yet or yeah we are he's jared said we're shooting for august 3rd jared so let, you hear that you're on notice dude august <laughs> so 3rd less than a month away so uh-huh. very close very nice very, very very cool man i'm excited for that it, it, um any other books coming out or projects that you want to kind of tease to our listeners cockles and ass nipples at this moment or <laughs> I think uh after that the collection will be the next the next thing that comes out. Um cool. and I'm gonna get started on my splatter western, hopefully pretty soon. Nice, nice. And oh, yeah. uh I'm finishing season one of uh Drew Steppick's uh fucking scumbags burn in hell, so I have to turn that in by November, I believe. Cool. Beautiful. Hell Beautiful. yeah. Mm-hmm. I just finished my splatter western this past week. Awesome. Done. Yeah. Almost nice. almost done revising it. Like it'll be done revised by tomorrow as as in real t- in our real time, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh done. So I'm excited for that that to uh, awesome. get, get sent in. Um do you have a title? Yeah. Yes, one, it's called one that you want to reveal. It's okay if you don't want to reveal it. Yeah. Right now the title is called Calamity and the Calling of Cochrane. Okay. Calamity and, takes- and the Calling of Cochrane. Yeah. Nice. It's like uh, Cochran is a town in Texas, like in the Panhandle area. Mm. So that's where it kind of jumps off of. Anyway, I'm excited to read yours, Ryan, because um, uh, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be killer. Do you have a, a t- do you have like a concept at all, or you're just like, eh, fuck it, I'll write, I'll write it tomorrow. <laughs> what about whatever? It doesn't. I, yeah, I have, I have the concept. I'm hopefully going to start like outlining a little bit this week, and I have the concept. I even have, I think, the title worked out. Yeah. Which, Do you um, want to reveal that or no? <laughs> I think I'm going. It's going to be called the Oregon Trail. Is an O R G A N, the Oregon Trail, or the lucky ones got their brains blown out. 
Yes, yes, we were talking about that particular tagline. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that That's tagline was uh, was uh, commandeered from Island of Death, which is a movie yeah. I've enjoyed for several years, and uh, I always loved that tagline. And so, even before you guys started talking about the uh, movie on the uh, prior episode, I, I'd had that in mind that I wanted to do that. So it was it was good timing. <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah. Well, I look forward to reading both of those, gentlemen. I really am excited to see what you guys do with that genre. Thank you. You, you and, uh, uh, set the bar pretty high. Oh, uh, well, shucks. Thank you. But uh, we can limbo, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what the problem is with limbo is my boner keeps hitting the bar. <laughs> and because I assume you guys get a limbo boner, right? When you mm-hmm. when they break out oh. the limbo, no. Well, they, well, maybe if you don't furiously masturbate right before you limbo, you won't have that issue. You can Dude, do it, it that every time. It's the rhythm. The rhythm is gonna get you, man. Like <laughs> they does. say, you know, I can't help it. You know, and how then I you get, got and my then boner got, loves the rhythm, dude. <laughs> and then you've got all those grass skirts swishing around. I mean, uh-huh. I get you. I get uh-huh. you. I it was, yeah, I thought it was part of the rules. Apparently, I learned at the very wrong place, but oh yeah <laughs> or the very right one exactly, yeah, exactly. It, it's one of those places where they lock you in until 3 a.m <laughs> no windows come out of new man um it's it's almost like an escape room and that my friends oh is it safe makes me makes me think it is it is you don't know it yet but it is a, a skagway um skagway it's that too it's that too Brings us right into Ridiculous Reads. Ridiculous Reads. So ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. Yeah, it's just stupid. Uh, But this one isn't totally stupid. It's actually really fucking cool i texted you john wayne after uh the event that i went to the vhs fest mm-hmm. you uh, teased me dude i did um two uh two of them which are are great uh these i got credit where it's due uh tangy found these for me my friend good friend tangy shouts out, shouts she, out tangy. F- she found two novel movie novelizations at this event Excuse me. Both of them are great. Both of them are awesome. I'm so glad to have. But one of them, which is the one I'm going to read from right now, is one that is very hard to find and I've wanted for my collection for a long time. So that it, that she managed to get it is exceptional. Uh, and I'm going to read from it tonight. This is a little book called Escape from New York. Oh, um, hell yeah, dude. Nice. Awesome. Look at that artwork. That looks nothing. When was that? The yeah, box? I know. I know. The Kurt fucking, Russell standing. I know. I know. Stunt cock. No, I know. My buddy Tom. He said it looked like Rick Moranis. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. It's uh, the guy right before they punched him in the face in New York. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he doesn't look anything like Snake Plissken, but holy shit, guys! I've got the fucking novelization of Escape from New York. It's pretty badass. Right near the fortieth anniversary. Right, yeah, it is right on the cusp of it, so it's a perfect time to read it. Yeah, this is a novel by Mike McQuay, based upon a screenplay by John Carpenter and Nick Castle. And that's a lot, that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize. Like with Nick Castle, uh, is yeah, he he played Michael Myers, uh, he was the first Michael Myers 
uh, but he also was a screenwriter and, and, and director and worked on a lot of other stuff. Uh, so, yeah, we have Michael Myers to thank, in part, for Escape from New York. Um, so one of the first things I noticed when I popped this baby open and started looking at it, uh, yeah, and by the way, it, it's in really good shape. Like the spine isn't all busted or anything. It's a really yeah, nice when, when did that? When was that released? If I could ask. Oh it does, no, it was. It's it was very released. new. No, it was released at the time that it so, came out. This was 1981. Uh, that it's that it says it was copyrighted. Wow. So yeah, this is in great shape. Um, but one of the first things I realized when I popped it open to look at it is uh, it starts off with the bank robbery. And, and those hardcore fans may know that, uh, you know, in the original film, the one that we got, uh, it just starts off and Snake is already going to the prison. That's how it starts off. But originally it started off with this whole bank robbery scene with Snake robbing this bank uh, and things going wrong and he gets caught. Now that scene was even shot and you can watch that scene on bonus special edition, you know, like uh, behind the scenes or I'm, I'm sorry, deleted scenes. Uh, so you can watch that. So it does exist. Now, this book apparently came out before that scene was cut for the movie because this book starts with the bank robbery scene uh, in two parts. It's like actually chapter one and chapter two are bank robbery scenes. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and read from the second part uh, because it gives this backstory of Snake Plissken, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. So this is from page eight, chapter two. Uh, the, the chapter is subtitled In the Tubes and it takes place October 21st at 10.07 p.m. Pliskin had picked up the name Snake in the service and it had stuck so hard that now there was nobody left alive on the face of the planet who knew his real first name. He had been a hot shot college boy when they commissioned him as a lieutenant and sent him to the Russian front. Everyone had been real excited about the war when it first came around. It had been, after all, a long time since the last real confrontation and everyone needed to flex their ego muscles a little. Okay, so I'm just going to comment right now. This is like peak Cold War propaganda shit. This is like typical of the 80s. Rocky versus Drago, fucking Cold War, you know, fucking Red Dawn, all that shit. <clears throat> it had started small and built somewhere in the Middle East. It was the gradual buildup that somehow managed to keep the nukes out of it. There had been a conference in Stockholm early on where the principal nations agreed to avoid the nuclear exchange to protect the non-aligned nations of the world. That was just a smokescreen, of course. In actuality, nobody wanted their shit blown away finally and completely, which is very true. Uh, so they decided on something else, something that sounded very harmless and sophisticated. They decided on chemicals. Pliskin smiled when he thought about that. He was watching the contact points slide past his window and trying to ignore the pain in his bad eye. The chemicals were nasty. He supposed that there was no way of killing that wasn't nasty underneath it all, but the chemical clouds that continually floated in the atmosphere killed in slow motion. No one was untouched by them. They rolled in quietly, odorlessly, and tastelessly, eating away bits of brain cells and nervous system as they did. The chemicals made people crazy before they killed them. There were, they were, <clears throat> there were crazy people running around all over the place, lots of them 
millions of them. Atlanta Station in five minutes, the computer voice said. He pulled his hair back in some semblance of order and checked his watch, a bit ahead of schedule. He looked down at the satchel on his lap. They called him Snake because he had a knack for slithering out of trouble. He commanded a search and destroy squad that had the best record of success in the entire Russian campaign. No one could figure out why the snake did so well, but the snake knew. Some people built things with their hands. Others could compose beautiful music or had a head for figures. Snake Pliskin had a talent for making war. It was in his blood. Atlanta Station, chimed the voice. Thank you for tubing with us. The compartment roared around him. Now, tubing, does that mean like masturbating? No, no, it doesn't. Tubing, like I've been like Jeffrey tubing off, like, you know what I mean? No, and it it also doesn't mean going tubing down the river for fun. No, tubing is. I'm kind of of tubing right now, but. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of half half mast tubing right now, if you know what I mean. Uh, Now, tubing uh, in this instance is basically like the subway trains that run through uh, America after this cold war madness you know in like this weird future world of 1997 do you think a lot of people do masturbate on that su- train in this supposed future though sure okay cool and i'm, I'm yeah. the only way we'll beat the ruskies yeah but, yeah we got to masturbate in those tubes <laughs> the compartment roared around him and the rush of the cell strained him forward against the straps the thing stopped with a slight jerk huh Uh, And Pliskin was out of his belt and standing before the tube hatch opened. When the wall section slid away, he stepped right out onto the platform, looking back and forth. No one. No black bellies. No nothing. He didn't realize that he had been holding his breath until the air rushed out of him. One of the most generic lines put into uh, any kind of suspenseful scene is that line right there. Uh, all you young writers don't use that line. Which one? The air? Or he, the he wind? Didn't, that he didn't realize he had been holding his breath until the air <clears throat> oh, oh, yeah, out yeah. of him. That's a really generic cliche. Uh, he smiled and went looking for Taylor. Taylor had been with him that morning in the CEO's office in Helensky when they first heard of the so-called Leningrad ruse. It was early, bleak fall, and the, and the low rolling gray clouds descended with gas were dropping a lethal acid rain onto ground already barren and dead from floating poisons. They were forced to go around for weeks at a time in their gas gear, speaking to no one other th- other through, I'm sorry, speaking to no one another through mics in their masks. Okay, that's weirded a little strangely there. <clears throat> uh, so it was on that morning when they stood in a tiny office with a man from special projects named Captain Barrigan, At least that's what he said his name was. Berrigan never took off his mask, never even in the relative safety of that secured bunker. Fliskin had always thought that to be a shame, for he never got to see what the man looked like, and he had thought for a long time that he would certainly have liked to find Captain Berrigan and gut him with his buck knife. He walked a good pace through the deserted spoke of the terminal. After a time, he began seeing people. There weren't very many but there was still enough to make him feel safe and normal. The spoke terminated in an an accelerator. 
He took it down the main lobby, where most of the arriving and departing passengers were milling about, feeling secure in their sheer numbers. There was some security around the TV lounges and rows of food and drink machines, but they were there to protect the property, not mess with the karma. Pliskin walked easily, just one of the folks. He caught sight of a sign on a concrete wall. P, oh, sorry, Pacific Express, it said, and pointed down a corridor. He followed the arrow. That's where he'd find Taylor. Captain Berrigan had told them that one of the Allies' top intelligent officers had been taken prisoner by the Ruskies and was being detained in Leningrad. He said that they had to go in and get him out before the man revealed secrets vital to the entire war effort. Pliskin's squad had been especially picked because of their phenomenal record. It was a great honor. Neither he nor Taylor thought much of, of the plan. It sounded too much like suicide. But duty was duty. So early the next morning, they went low of the duty. Baltic Sea. Yes, I said duty. They went low of the Baltic Sea and hit Leningrad with the sun. There were 50 of them in gull-fire gliders, screaming it, uh, in at rooftop level, while air support drew fire on the east side of the city. Leningrad was the Ruski supply point, and was consequently the most heavily defended city in western Russia. Pliskin and his people flew into the maelstrom, and it was far worse than any human mind could possibly imagine. He remembered it mostly as oranges. Burning, sizzling oranges, screaming fire flowers. Success was impossible. Survivor, survival, nearly so. When it was clear to, Pl to Pliskin that he couldn't get the man out, they plastic charged the building that he was being held in and buried him under 500 tons of rock and plaster. Sometime during the fighting, a frag cracked Pliskin's left goggle and the nerve gas went to work on his eye. Somehow he ordered the withdrawal and got back to base. It was like his whole head was on fire, bright orange fire. When the gliders touched down again, there were only two of them left, just two. He spent a month in the hospital before they even let Taylor come visit. The man was in a leg cast. His knee had been shattered in a crash landing, getting back to Helsinki. He was pale like an albino when he came in, and his eyes were just as red. It, it was all a trick, Taylor said to him there in that sterile hospital room. A lousy fucking trick. It turned out that the intelligence officer was actually a corporal in masquerade who let himself be captured to give false information. Pliskin's squad had been sent in just to lend the whole thing an air of authenticity. To make matters worse, it didn't work. The man hadn't fooled them for a minute. Snake Pliskin's life began to change at that exact instant. And I'm going to stop right there with Escape from New York. Mm, very nice. It is. It is. It's a pretty interesting scene there because you get like a little background on Snake. A lot, actually, much more than you get in the movie. Uh, he like It tells you how he like got his eye all fucked up and everything. It's a whole backstory that goes before like the the movie part even starts in the book. So I thought that would be interesting for our listeners. Yeah, yeah plus and all it, the tubing. Yeah, plus and, all and the tubing. tubing. Yeah. <laughs> As we've talked about, like with these adaptations a lot, um, you know, they're often written before the 
the movie is shot so you don't know what they don't know what's cut and stuff so they just kind of have the script to go on if they have that right um so so that's pretty cool that that's actually in there you get you get that and it, it's 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 actually good like shit it's not like you know jangling girdles of coin or whatever. <laughs> what the hell is this bullshit right. you know right um, well i'm pretty sure that uh, carpenter and castle wanted to keep things nebulous with the Pliskin character like the more mysterious he is the better I don't think they wanted people to know how he lost his eye or anything like that. But uh, again, when you're hired to write a novelization and the movie hasn't come out and you're just going off of the script, you have to kind of pad things. You have to make it, you have to add stuff to make it flow like a novel. And I think that's what uh, Mr. Mike McQuay did with Skiff New York. Do you think that, uh, did now, did Snake click? Pliskin wear leather pants in either of no. those movies? No, he, wore he just camouflage. had the, the camouflage pants. Night night camo fatigues. So right. they're all in blue. Yes. Would you guys wear leather pants? There was a time when I did, actually. Did you? Real leather I pants? Did. I real were they leather. black or brown? They were black, yeah. Fuck, dude. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I still lived in Florida, too, which is even more insane. But my uncle who was a metalhead, he outgrew his, his authentic leather pants and he gave them to me when I was about six, yeah, I 16. I was about yeah. 16 and I had my long Jim Morrison hair at the time and I remember like hanging out on Daytona Beach, smoking weed and walking up and down the boardwalk by the arcades and wearing nothing but leather pants. No shirt, no shoes, long hair, blown in the wind, smoking weed out in public, not caring. Yeah. I remember this this memory of the of this story is coming back to me because these were the lucky pants that just like were a <laughs> magnet for uh you know for the babes it, for the babes yeah, for the intercourse they were. yeah they the intercourse were. Pennsylvania for the, for the intercourse yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was dude um yeah that's probably why I got laid more than you did back in the day because you called it intercourse <laughs> well I, and I still do I still do and I make you sign that form too before uh, engaging. Um, so, you know, it's all, you know, it's, it's just what we're into anyway. That was a good <laughs> anyway. ridiculous reads. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was really excited about finding this particular novelization. I am or, I'm I mean, excited about it, dude. It's I, fucking I, awesome. I, I got a credit. Tangie's the one who found it, but when she found it, I was like, oh my God, cause I knew it existed. I'd been looking for it and it's usually very expensive and, uh, it's, uh, my birthday, uh, this week, and so she got it for me for my birthday. And this uh, is the birthday episode for you. This yeah. is the birthday yeah, episode. We, we've been burying the lead this whole time. Yep. Um, this is my birthday week, and we're doing a birthday episode. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, that's why we picked the movie that we did for this week's Summer Slashers. All right, folks. Well, that brings us into our ongoing segment this summer. This is the Summer of Slashers. For every Friday the 13th, there is a Slaughter High. For every Halloween, there is a Curtains. We are examining the lesser-known slasher films uh, of the golden age of slashers and beyond. Uh, and because it is my uh, birthday this week, and this is our birthday episode, we've decided to pick a very special uh, uh, slasher film. So that brings us right into the Summer of Slashers. Cat out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Summer of Slashers. 
Richie! Well, you had to do it. Ryan is here, and he's the only one who laughs at that, so you have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I will okay. laugh every time. Hey, man, yeah. know your audience, all right? <laughs> right, right. All right, so Summer of Slashers. And Should I, have been again, you, dude. Should have been you. <laughs> it should have been. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Donna. It's, I'm uh, trying to get on the joke now, dude. You've already I know, I know the fucking joke. I know I've seen La Bamba. I understand the joke. It's just, understanding the joke is not the same as laughing. I didn't say it. understanding. I said don't get in on it. Uh, okay. Cast yourself out of it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, so this is my birthday this week. Uh, old man Chris, he ain't what he used to be. Uh, and I thought... Happy know, birthday, what? dude. Happy Thank birthday, you. Chris. Happy birthday. And you know, in fact, I will say happy birthday to me. <laughs> because that is the name of the film See that what we you are did discussing. there, Mr. Saturday Night. Huh? Oh, hell yeah. Thank yep. you, sir. All class, See? all the time. Yep. And that's... Continue, Chris. Yes. Uh, Happy Birthday to Me is a mm-hmm. 1981 slasher film uh, directed by Jay Lee Thompson. Now, many of you may know Jay Lee Thompson from the Death Wish series. He uh, most probably most famous for doing those. Uh, at least in my book, he is. Uh, but he also did uh, uh, Ten to Midnight, which is kind of an action slasher. Uh, Charles Bronson chasing a naked uh, serial killer. Amazing uh, fucking film. Great movie. Amazing. We will have, we will we will talk about that movie at some point. We talked about it on an episode. No, 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 no. But we'll we'll, we'll, we'll we're gonna. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, cool. we we had plans for this. You may have forgotten, but we'll talk about it. Uh, but anyway, of, you have a lot of plans, dude. We all yeah, and, and you forget a lot of things. Yes. I know, man. Yes. Uh, but anyway, uh, Jay Lee Thompson is the director of Happy Birthday to Me. Uh, and again, this came out in 1981. So this is like the golden age of slasher films. Uh, and it's a Canadian made film, but it falls right in with the um, American slasher films. Some of it was shot in, in the States as well. Uh, and so we're going to get right into this now. Uh, it doesn't really star a lot of people that you would know by name or anything like that. So there aren't a lot of like, you know, big names that you can call out with it, but it does star, uh, Melissa Sue Anderson as our main character, Virginia. And she's probably best known from, um, little house on the prairie, uh, which is a very popular show in the 1980s. Uh, other than that, it's it's a lot of people who you probably never saw in anything else. Uh, so this was came, this came out through Columbia Pictures, uh, and so let's get right into Happy Birthday to Me. Uh, this starts off with an with an opening credit, opening credits, and opening song that uh, kind of brought me back to like the whole uh, Fall Break song with the Mutilator. It's not as bad as that song. But when you open, when you watch the opening credits, it, it's like, am I watching a slasher movie? It almost feels like an '80s comedy or or something, because it has this very Olivia Newton-John sounding song in the opening. Uh, and John Wayne, I see you're kind of making a confused face. Is this before the cult, like before she trips on the 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 leash, or after? It's before, but but I was going to mention. I'm sorry. I, no, that's okay. That's okay. This movie and its release has had issues with the music where they've had rights issues. So mm-hmm. some some releases of this movie 
the opening credits has this kind of like creepy piano, whereas other uh, releases of it have this song like Out of the Blue, da, 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 and it's very like it sounds like a poppy 80s song. Uh, so I don't know which one you guys watched as compared to which one I watched. I I think I watched the piano. I mean, I watched whatever was on Prime. Mm-hmm. This one. So I don't think there was a song like that, dude. It was the, yeah. it was the piano at the beginning of this one because I would have definitely taken a note of a yeah. of a pop pop song, and I okay. did not. The one so, I have on the one I have on DVD has that pop song instead. Is it on yeah. that one, Ryan? You just held up your like you have the with the Criterion no, I, I Collection got, I got or the same one or? you did that that sounds like actual slasher movie music at the beginning. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh wait, wait. Interesting. Wait, John, you can see Ryan because I can't see him. Yeah, I can see Ryan. I can't see him at all. Really? I don't know. Yeah, I just I, I nothing. Mm. Oh well. Okay. Starring and Bentley Little's the ignored over here. <laughs> I can't see you. I can't see you. Well, you know you have to kill your boss now, dude. So yeah, that's how, that's yeah. how that works. That's how that Did works. You kill your boss yet? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Now let's go fucking. Yeah, the, there's been crazy. several different releases of it on DVD and Blu-ray, and some of them have the different sound. Like the one that I have has the. It's known as the birthday girl cover, where it's a girl like with green eyes, like demon eyes, holding a cake with a knife. As opposed to the traditional shish kebab cover yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that that we all know. Uh, and Ryan, so, Ryan held up that cover as well, just for you know, the like shish the, kebab. Both, like uh, yeah. the shish kebabs on the slip cover, but then yeah. the lame looking cover you're talking about is on the blue rays. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the one that I have is the lame looking cover. Um, so anyway, uh, we get right into our first scene where uh, the young and beautiful Bernadette. Uh, is going off to uh, meet up with her friends at the local tavern, which is called the Silent Woman Inn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, she's going off and she bumps into Miss Patterson, who is kind of the, the dean of the college uh, and is like very snooty and is like wagging her finger like, you damn kids and having fun is awful and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get right into our first kill go ahead can i before we get into that kill i just want to say like because i don't have a whole lot of positive things to say about this movie but i will say this uh in that in that opening sequence when she you know i was like oh shit this does not this is just getting right into it because it makes you think like some shit's going down she trips on this leash like and it looks like someone like shot it at her and wrapped her up right they make Mm -hmm. it look really cool and she falls now this is the best part of this movie that i think um oh i have one other part that is just as maybe as good but this is the best part she hits the ground and when she looks up it's this close-up of of the woman and she is stunningly beautiful it's perfectly lit her eyes are just like this bright blue and she just looks up and i and i just i wrote down like close up on face when she hits ground stunning like that was i was like i was like whoa that's like a cool shot yeah, and that oh, well, captured me, and then it just went downhill. From okay, there. well, well, <clears throat> I, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that because uh, we skipped over what we've been doing. Let's let's backtrack. Yeah, I was, yeah, you didn't ask us. I didn't want to interrupt. Yeah, you. no, no, yeah, don't. No, but but no, you're right. Like we should backtrack. Uh, what we usually do before we get into explaining the movie is we ask what people thought. So uh, we'll start with our guest Ryan Harding. How did you feel uh, about Happy Birthday to Me? I'm actually a big fan of this movie. Um, mm-hmm. 
I caught up to it a little bit late. I've seen, you know, a bunch of slashers before I watched this one, and this one's fairly unique. Um, mm-hmm. I guess maybe because it was earlier before the tropes had been solidified, but uh, I remember I rented it one weekend and it was kind of movied out when I got to, it got to happy birthday to me. And then I thought, well, you know, I'll give it a try just to see. And I mean, I was just totally into it right away. And, uh, I just really like the atmosphere of it and, it's less relatable than other slashers, which kind of give you something like summer camp or mm-hmm. high school or whatever. And this kind of it's sort of like its own insular world of these elite, you know, kids at this uh, college or school or whatever. And mm. uh, so it's uh, I'd actually put it in my top 10 of slashers, even though it is, you know, pretty long. And uh, I know it doesn't give you the sexy thrills that you love, but <laughs> <laughs> but it is one I've always really liked a lot, and I like the direction of it a lot from uh, Jay Lee Thompson. And a lot of cool camera moves in it and things like uh-huh. that that uh, kind of elevate it from what became the standard of the genre, which was more point-and-shoot oriented. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Which I do, like, th- which I will talk about some shots, too, as well. Like, that, like, like I said, that first opening shot was just like... But there's some other things like you're right, some shots in this movie that you're like, this should be a better movie. But yeah. well, let's, well, well let's, <laughs> let's go ahead and ask uh, John Wayne, uh, what, how did you feel about Happy Birthday to Me? Well, I mean, uh, uh, it, this is just not this is the first time I saw this movie, Ryan. No, mm-hmm. like this is just how I, it just wasn't for me, I guess. You know what I mean? Like I watched it. I was like, what is this movie trying to be? Why does it keep switching around? Now I'm confused. Is this girl the same? Like, what the fuck is going on here? And then it has this Scooby-Doo ending that's mm-hmm. like, what? what is happening? Like, I was like, this movie is not interesting enough for me to, like, care about any of these people. And then the ending is not enough of a payoff for me to have been like, oh, I'm an idiot. You know, I was like, oh, I am an idiot. But still, <laughs> you know, um, so this one is not high on my list of ones I like. I see uh-huh. why there are aspects of it that are cool, for sure, and uh, yeah. just not not one of mine, not for me. But Ryan, okay. I totally like. I see Ryan, you're awesome. You're better than me, so I will <laughs> defer to you. And uh, you know, you like it. I, I'm sorry that I have wronged you. I'm gonna go sign off now. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Chris, what did you think? <laughs> Uh, I I actually like Happy Birthday to me. Um, I, I I gotta I have to agree with Ryan in that it's uh, it has a uniqueness to it in the way that it's told. Uh, it's also from the golden age of slasher films, so you have to appreciate it for the time that it came out. I mean, this is 1981, uh, and so they were doing they do do a lot of um, creative kills in this film. Uh, which was uh, not necessarily a big thing at the time that they were making it. Um, you know, that really became bigger with the Friday 13th movies and movies like The Prowler and stuff like that. So I do have to give them props for being one of the uh, original creative kills uh, slasher films. Uh, and yeah, I really, I really enjoy it. I think it's fun. I like the whole Scooby-Doo aspect of it. I was actually thinking about uh, when Tom Mum was on our show and we were talking about April Fool's Day and he kept trying to defend it for some reason and say that it was kind of an Agatha Christie type of thing. Whereas I feel like that Happy Birthday is the Agatha Christie of slasher movies in that it's a whodunit and that it's much more complex. Uh, whereas April Fool's Day is uh, kind of a, a, a dry hand job, as John Wayne famously called it. <laughs> uh 
So yeah, I I, I enjoyed it very much. <clears throat> so yeah, let's get back into uh, into the movie. Well, I, I think uh, something about it is it's fairly. It seems more Giallo inspired because you have like yes. the killer with black gloves. Absolutely, yes. And, that's something I wrote down in my notes. Where yeah, right from the beginning we have that character Bernadette, like we mentioned, uh, and she bumps into Miss Patterson and everything. And Miss Patterson's like, "You damn kids! You drink too much, whatever." Uh, but yeah, then, and then like <laughs> she runs off, and then yeah, like you said, right? It's in a garage, uh, and she and so and like. It's like you have the black gloves, you have the gleam off of the blade, uh, and you have uh, like these scenes where Bernadette is like up against the wall, and the light is very focused right across her eyes, mm-hmm. and and that all of that is very Argento, very Bava. Uh, yeah, it definitely has a gallo feel. Yeah, and there's like that, that strangulation is like really long too at first, and you think, well, that's that's how she's going to go. Which, to, in my opinion, strangulation is like one of the most boring ways to <laughs> somebody to go out. So it's kind of a relief when she gets away, just so you know something else happens. Yeah, but but because it's so long, and because you get these this scene of her like in her car and she's like kicking the the roof and everything, it's uh, it's although strangulation, I will admit, is kind of a dull way to go out in a movie. You don't get any gore. Uh, the brutality is kind of amped up because it goes on so long. Right. Uh, I, at least I feel like seeing her kicking the roof of her own car and everything. It's 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 kind of intense. I thought. Mm-hmm. John Wayne. I, I feel like like uh, all of these are good points, but with this like uh, killer with this this gloves with all this, I feel like they MacGuffin you to death in this yeah. movie like they mcguffin you over the head like for like 45 minutes of the opening of this movie you're like okay like i okay i don't know who it is like leave me the fuck alone <laughs> like you know it's like everybody's got black gloves now i don't know you know like i felt like it was just like they were trying very hard to make me not realize what was happening okay that's what i thought and the, one other aspect that's kind of giallo-ish is the whole uh her brain trauma and the experimental operation they oh, did yeah. to her. It has yeah. that weird pseudoscience vibe or something like Four Flies Hello? on Grey Velvet. Yeah, very weird. I'm glad they didn't go ahead and explain any of that. They yeah. just aban- abandoned that like halfway <laughs> through the movie. <laughs> they, no, they totally, they totally explain that. They totally explain that. Maybe you, maybe you were high. Uh, no, no they I mean, totally... they, they, they give you the, the dry hand job explanation of it, but. Anyway, <laughs> no, they I'm going to be it. the black hat on this one. I'm sorry. That's okay. No, that's good. Uh, like, that's good that we have a debate. That's fine. But they do explain it. Um, and we'll get into that whole scene in a bit. Uh, but we're going to kind of go a little more chronologically. We don't have to get into every single thing. And I don't want to give yeah. I don't, I don't want to spoil the ending completely for those listeners who are going to check it out. Sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, this uh, this definitely has a prankster element to it much like april fool's day or killer party or slaughter high um but not throughout like those movies but you know like in the very beginning we've got the guy rudy he puts the the mouse in the in the beer of the shriners and then later we've got uh alfie or alfred let me see what i have my notes here it's uh alfred yeah alfred is kind of the nerd who has the rat and uh albert albert Sorry. Is yeah, they, they just Alfred. meet at this bar. He brings a rat in. They all like fucking reference it mm-hmm. a- and drop it in a beer. Um, right. To prank these guys that were being annoying. 
Yeah, but then yeah. later, which is a cool ass prank because the way he does it is like, oh, we fucked with you. We'll buy you guys a drink because the Shriners right. are being annoying. And he's like, hey, get her a Steiner, like which I like that word Steiner. I want to <laughs> order a beer like that. And then they put the rat in that beer, which is a great prank. Well, I mm-hmm. think like I have mm-hmm. to call that out. That's like a, up there with like a prima nocta where you just drink someone's beer where they're gone. But you put a rat. In. Gotcha. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's other pranks, too, like that guy, Alfred or, or Albert, whatever his name is. He uh, later on, like there's like a fake scare where you think he's the one who killed Bernadette because you have this severed head that looks just like her. But it turns out he's like a Tom Savini Jr. And he makes these things and it's a fake head. Which uh, so is you, incidentally really good foreshadowing. Yeah. Think about it. There's a lot of foreshadowing in this and there's a lot of. um there's a lot of misdirection and red herrings in this where you, this is one of those movies right. where you don't know who the killer is. And that also makes it very much like a Jallo film where you're not sure who the killer is. And there's many people that act weird in different scenes where you start to suspect that maybe they're the killer. Uh, and of course uh, it can't possibly be all of them. So, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so that scene you're talking about where he has the head that looks like their dead friend. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was like, I don't know, like the there was very nebulous. I don't know what was going on. Like he he's acting all weird anyway. The chicks are freaked out. It looks exactly like their friend's dead friend's right. head. Right. And then he pops the eye out and mm-hmm. is like, oh, look, it's a fake eye. And then it just cuts to another scene. I was like, wait, does that mean that wasn't real? Like I, I, ha- I, well, I it wasn't well, no, it does. clear to because, me, but well, no, I wasn't. It you know. does because then because this when before they cut away they show the girls be like, Alfred, you asshole, you know. Right. So like you know that it's not a real head, yeah. Right, right. They did that, but I also was expecting him to be like, but it is, you know, like eat to eat the eyeball or like bite it or some shit, you know. Yeah. I don't. Okay. Uh, well, before all that happens, um, Burnett's killed. We see the guys like do the the prank with the. the uh, rat at the at the bar uh and then they decide to do this drag race thing that they do uh and this is the most painful part of the movie for me because they do this drag race and what they do is they jump over a drawbridge that is opening uh and one of the characters uh greg i think his was let me see my notes I do think uh, yeah. it's cool that in the opening credit sequence there's one part where the camera like focuses on the drawbridge going yeah. up yeah, the drawbridge does play a, a large role in the story of what is going on. But anyway, in this particular scene, Greg is the guy, and he has a gorgeous, primo, baby blue, fucking like 1979 Firebird that he's driving. And granted, in this movie, that was only like a two year old car, but <laughs> it's gorgeous. And he jumps the drawbridge and he just fucks up the front of it. The front end gets smashed. Dude, it lands on the front end. Like, it's yeah, just like, yeah. it's like where the Dukes of Hazard, but like they, where the Dukes of Hazard cut away and then had the other right. cut of them like landing. <laughs> they should have done right, that right, because right. he just lands on his fucking front, b- obliterates the front, and then it goes on its wheels. And then he's like still driving. I'm like, we're okay. We're okay. Yeah, um, yeah he definitely But, ru- but it was worth 20 bucks for the bed. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. On that 20 bucks, that's that guy the- that. That pussy yeah. guy that didn't jump it, that stayed on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I, when I watched it earlier, revisited it earlier because I have it. And uh, 
and uh, Tangie watched it with me, and she had never seen it. And she was like, "He wrecked his car for twenty bucks." I was like, "Well, you won that twenty bucks, but clearly that was way more than twenty bucks worth of damage to repair that car." But then later on, you see the car, and it's fine. So yeah, it, it's never referenced. It's like cartoon stuff, like where Wiley Coyote just like falls off the thing and he's fine again. Like the car was just mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, Which, I guess I guess he repaired it for twenty bucks. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's Canada, so I mean that's that true. That goes goes farther. Yeah, they particularly have... particularly in 1980. Yeah, I, d- I did have a note that said if Albert's a member of the top ten, I really like my odds at that school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they have this whole hierarchy. They're the yeah. top ten, yeah. the most baddest ass right. seniors, basically, like in, right. in the school, and, and they all hang like, out. And you and like you, John, you had said that it's not as relatable and. I guess that could be true from that point of view is that like all the characters are these spoiled rich kids who have everything. Uh, and it's hard for most people to relate to that. And that's, so that for- was how John Wayne went to school, right? Yeah. Well, I went to Bayside true. high. It's true. Uh, he, he was I rich. To, I went to Bayside white high school, mm-hmm. uh, America. Yeah, yep. I was Richie Rich. He was, he I was, was Richie just, Rich. He got dropped off in a helicopter every by day. Alfred, by my yeah. butler. Uh-huh. Every time, and with a uh, packed lunch of caviar and steak tartare. Oh, if it was in season <laughs> and, and champagne. <laughs> well, of course, champagne and, and a Capri Sun pouch. That's what you and have. I and I wore those leather black shorts with the, <laughs> with the tuxedo t- with the tuxedo top every day well, to school. Yeah, well, you exactly. still wear that at every convention. You can you, you're <laughs> well, easy come to, to spot. the table and see. Come to the you're, table. You're easy to out. spot with those those. Leather, and they're not even like you haven't even bought new ones, they're the they're same pleasant. ones you had when you were a child, yeah. Uh, and so they're well. really tight, and yeah, yeah, it's like sausage, <laughs> like sausages and skins in there, yeah, yeah, um, it's like vacuum packed chicken nuggets, yeah. This uh, had to be harder to relate to for you, Chris, since I know back then you were probably like working in the coal mines in Florida, and you're this is true, your dad yep. had that whole ill advised snow plow business he started <laughs> up. But, what was, what was that name again? Oh, this is all very true. Yeah, I was working in the acid mines. It's all canon. Yeah. It's all canon. Yeah. So they uh, anyway they they do their little jump, and of course uh, Virginia, our main character, our, uh, she is in the gorgeous Firebird that gets wrecked, and she freaks out, and so she gets out of the car and she runs through the woods to her mother's grave, which is apparently on her property. Like it's like, bar- like she's, her mom is buried in the backyard or something. It's really strange. I never quite yeah. figured that. Do they one live out. off of a graveyard, like type of no. situation. Like there's other graves, isn't there? She wants, well, no, we see a graveyard later on, but it's not necessarily in the same area. Like, no? the, okay. I don't know. No, it's, it's like the grave is very much on its own in this spot. You don't see other graves around. Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's it's just like there it is, right in the woods that lead to her house. So I guess mom is buried on the property. I mean, her dad's rich, so I mean the rules don't apply to them. You know? And he's yeah. white, so he's definitely right. burying bodies yeah. on that on that property. And he's yeah. also kind of creepy. Like that whole first scene where we see the two of them together, there's this kind of like creepy aspect to him. Um, not like not in like you don't expect like him to be the killer necessarily, but it's almost like is this going to be like a flowers in the attic kind yeah, of? Are they going to kiss? Yeah, yeah. I mean, later like, on, they're making plans to go out to dinner and dancing. Dancing. To, 
it's really strange. Exactly. But if I'm going dancing, we better be kissing. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what I always said to my dad. Yeah. So uh, there's also <laughs> there's also uh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I love the scene, and I don't know. The music might have been different. Like I said, there are music issues. The music might have been different when you guys watched it. But are you talking about uh, when she's taking off her clothes? Yes, yes. <laughs> if you'll let me finish, uh, yes. Like Virginia goes into a room and she starts to change, and the scene goes on forever. It's like she's taking off her shirt. She puts the shirt up on on the hanger. She picks out another shirt, and it's and like the music that's playing is like this like Curtis Mayfield, like porno, like, like music. It's really strange. Cause like, she doesn't get really naked. You see her in her bra, but she doesn't take, she doesn't even take her jeans off, let alone get naked. Uh, and, and yeah. And, and I also love that she has like these masks on the wall that were like a signature of like every girl in the eighties and early nineties had these like masks on the wall, like these mounted, like the faces of uh, happiness and suffering, like the theater mm-hmm. of pain type of fucking drama faces drama masks yeah 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 um i think but yeah, yeah that... we should we should mention that uh she like when she thought somebody was in the cemetery with her well, i guess because it was so early in the slasher heyday she like ran away instead of yeah. being like is somebody there and yeah. <laughs> coming yeah. to investigate but the person who is there is etienne one of the top 10 who's apparently uh creeping after her and i made another note that Said something like a guy named Etienne is part of the top ten. Man, I'm thinking <laughs> top five for me, bare minimum. <laughs> Etienne, yeah, he's French, which is like, yeah, yeah and yeah. with his stalking, voyeurism, and panty theft, I think yeah. he's trying oh. to turn the movie into Happy Birthday to Me Too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and we'll be see, we'll see you guys next week on Vital yep. Social Issues and Stuff. Yeah, yep. <laughs> on the high note. <laughs> Um, yeah, I yeah, put, no, uh, he's definitely wacky, a creeper. I, I, I did put wacky music for getting naked because it's like yeah. it's like it's not that, but it might as well be. It is some like porno, like kind of yeah, it like feels a, like seventies porno, like a, you know R and B type bass, like a, like what I was like, what the fuck is this? It took me out of the movie so much. Like, is this about to be funny? Like, is someone gonna run through and like burp, burp, like grab her tit and like just right? Running? What's yeah, happening? It, yeah, it goes on for a while. It's 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 weird how much it, how long it goes on and how nothing happens in that scene. Yeah, it's uh, but uh, yeah. And so then um, you know, moving along, you know, Virginia is in class the next day. She's well, he, he late. steals he steals her panties while she's taking a shower, and she like yes. hears him run away. Which if, if she didn't know it was him, the fact that he was running should have told him it was probably a Frenchman. <laughs> oh. <laughs> running Dude. like a oh. running. Running like a Frenchman in a thunderstorm. Thunderstorm, yeah. <laughs> Harding got jokes, dude. He came with jokes. Dude. He does. He's got to step us... up our game, man. This improv also... shit's not working for us. Harding, Harding's also known as Ryan Rickles, uh, <laughs> to those who may not know. Yeah, start roasting us. Roast us. Roast us. <laughs> no, that's 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 very good and very true. Uh, yeah, the guy does run away with the panties. Um, yeah, and that's, another, that's another like red herring or McGuff. Like you see this guy right. drop out of the fucking window, and you're like, okay, what the fuck is this? And he takes mm-hmm. the panties, which is very creepy. Right. Uh, but that's another like misdirection, though. So. There, yeah, there's tons of misdirection in this. Like they're constantly trying to make someone else 
uh, seem like the killer uh, and leave you guessing the entire time. And they kind of succeed, you know, in, in, in ways like you are kind of questioning throughout. Uh, so the next the next scene is, uh, you know, they're in class and um, Virginia and, and her best friend, Anne, uh, they are in class and uh, you know, like they're. Their teacher is doing experiments with frog legs and supplying electricity to frog leg nerves to make the, 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 the nerves twitch. And this triggers a flashback in Virginia. Uh, re, you know, I wrote down regenerated cells, repressed memories, uh, because uh, like she starts to think back to when she was going through like MRI treatment. And you guys mentioned earlier, there's like this brain surgery treatment that she goes to and we find out that Virginia and her mother along like along the whole movie we find out that they were in an accident and that uh Virginia has to had to have like months of surgery in order to kind of rebuild her brain using experimental treatment uh go ahead John when you look at you want to say but, something but even that like is not very well lined. like it you know these flashbacks are shown she's freaking out she doesn't know what's happening. She's going to this doctor that she calls David. Like I call all my doctors by their first name, uh, but I'm, you know, not a sexy lady. Uh, but you know, she's just having all these flashbacks. They're very like just put in there, and you don't that you don't know what the fuck is happening. Like that's another misdirection. Like is she being reborn every time? What the fuck is going on here? He's like, you must remember, you must remember. But she keeps remembering shit, and it's still not making sense to like the movie. Like they really are trying to throw you off. Mm. I like mm. with all those things. Very cool when they cut into her brain and shit, and they're like, oh, she's hemorrhaged, she's dead. Like she dies in almost every fucking brain scene they have. So that's why I was like, is she a clone? What is going on here? Mm. Well, I don't know what movie you watched, but it made perfect <laughs> sense to me. It is it. not. It is not very much. It's not perfect sense, dude. It's very yeah. not. <laughs> I watched. Right. Oh, I shit. I watched. Uh, oh, never mind. I watched Did Happy watch? Birthday. Yes. Happy birthday, Olsen twins. Uh, yes. <laughs> this is wrong. This is the wrong one. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, that's why it was so unbelievable. But, <laughs> I mean, well, I guess I, it is strange that you just have to accept that this procedure has somebody's brain regenerating like a silver salamander. You just kind of have yeah, to go along with it. Yeah, that explanation, too. Like, you throw that in there, and, like, they've created a the electronic vortex or whatever around it. Well, and, well, Dr. Dave does explain the whole treatment and how it was discovered and all of that. It's uh, Dr. Dave now she, to you, huh? I see. Well, I mean, that's the only name that we have for him. But, uh, but no, he explains like how it was all done and how she was the first patient to ever undergo this treatment. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's when you start to get a little like, oh, something's up with Virginia. Maybe she's hallucinating these things or maybe what's happening isn't real or maybe she's the killer or whatever else. Like you start to get these these thoughts, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and for me, all of that really works uh, because it continues the whole like making you guess thing. Um, anyway, uh, but we do it then from there, we start to get into these creative kills uh and one of the things about happy birthday to me is that it it boasted uh creative kills when the movie came out like on the original poster 
you have the guy getting the shish kebab shoved into his mouth. That's the original poster, the kind of an iconic image in slasher history. Uh, and it said something, I forget the number, but it was like nine or ten, but it was it's like... Six of the most bizarre murders you will ever see. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. You knew where I was going. It's six of the most bizarre murders you will ever see. Uh, and it does have some creative kills to it, for sure. Uh, you know, we have like the dirt bike kill, the shish kebab kill, and others, uh, which are creative and are really fucking funny, I must say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, a guy gets killed with a shish kebab through his mouth. It's pretty fucking hilarious, in my opinion. Yeah, but only been better if his name was actually Bob. Right? They should have done that. You're yeah, right. Yeah, they should have, yeah. Yeah, that would have been perfect. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also the bench press kill with, with well, one of the characters. Yeah, that's um, my favorite. Which yeah. is, which is uh, one of the ones that was cut and recut for gore content. Really? Uh, but yeah, it was at the time. But I think everything that's out now has the full the full scene. Uh, but yeah, uh, that scene is particularly hilarious because uh, we like you watch it and they're like, he's lifting weights, but he's not lifting that much weight. You know, it's maybe like 150 pounds, like at the end of it that he's lifting. So it's not that much. And uh, but he's like, oh no! And he like you know, she, like the killer removes the bar away to help him and. To, to, to rest it on and he's like what do i do and i'm like i i was a bodybuilder for years and I've, had that behind, yeah. Yeah. I've had that happen and you kind of like wheel it off of you whatever uh but but yeah apparently uh he doesn't know what to do and she drops the weight on, uh, on his dick and i say she because at this point uh you start to believe that it is a female killer uh for certain things that we see with the gloves and whatnot but i don't want to get too into it uh but yeah, yeah, guys, do you have any comments on some of the creative kill aspect of the movie? Uh, I want to back up to the... So I had to note that even the motorcycle racing is more of a giallo conceit. That's yeah. Some, and I, I like that when Eddie Yen wins and they get $200 on the bet, he says we're rich, even though they're supposed to all be rich and $200 must be like what they pay to the valet, you know? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's nothing to them. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I, I guess Etienne is anemic because he needs extra underwear while he rides his bike, and then he needs a scarf to work on his motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got something going on. That Greg, he's French. You. Yeah, that's probably explains it. He's French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, I, I I appreciate some of the kills in this. But yeah, you're right. Like dirt bikes are very like Italian horror for whatever reason. You see them a lot. In Italian horror movies, yeah, was demons. That, was that a bad, like that? Was that something that was like just sweeping the Italian nation at that point? They like, just—I don't know—they just like them. But you see them in demons and, and like other movies. Like there's a lot. There's always a guy on a on a dirt bike or a scooter yeah. or a motorcycle. There's always there's always a bike involved. Uh, even as things progress, like even in. Uh, even like years later in uh, Della Morte Della More or Cemetery Man, you've got the zombie riding around on the dirt bike. Right. You know, he comes yeah. out of the grave on his bike, like like <laughs> the fucking like the cover of Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell. It's fucking, it's incredible. It's so good. Great. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's just it's just one of those things like that. I got to agree with you. Yeah, it does have like an Italian horror feel to it. Hey, uh, we like a dirt biker. You know, like that. We do. We do. I make the dirt bike nice and fresh for you. Yeah. Because you're a beautiful <laughs> lady. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, something else about thanks, kills man. is a certain lack of kills that I noticed. And maybe yeah. this is also because of the slasher thing, but you have a dog and a mouse or a rat in the movie and neither of them gets killed. Good. Well, so I yeah, say good. That yeah. is good. Yeah. I, I don't I want was, that to happen. Yeah. I didn't uh, want that either. I didn't want that either. I'm glad when the animals uh, are okay. Uh, but if he would have drank that rat with the beer and it made its way out of his butt at the end, that would have been funny. Like, yes, that would have. I would have been in for that. That would have been a very different tone for the movie. That would take a trauma twist. But yeah, could have been funny. Could have been funny. Could have been something. You know, I don't know. Uh, so yeah, then we like, like, our main character, uh, Virginia Ginny. Like, she kind of bounces between boys here and there, where she likes one guy, then she likes another, or whatever. And she ends up going with Rudy because Rudy wins the big soccer game because apparently people care about soccer. This is news to me. Uh, <laughs> but he wins the game, and so they go uh, they go on a, a date up to the fucking bell tower. Yeah. And, uh, and he's trying to flirt with her, but he's, like, being, like, annoying, funny guy. <laughs> and it's like, this is, like, why guys like this don't get laid, where they're like, I got the girl alone in this place, and I'm going to be like, doop doop I'm Quasimodo. Look at the funny things. Like pulling his eyes down, being like, "Look how funny I am." And it's like yeah. this is why guys like this don't get laid, you know. And Again, John, like you, you this is, I'm moving up to the top three now in this top ten with these. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. Had, I had a question because I I even wound this back to watch it again, and I did not understand what this was. Why? So when Rudy leaves the soccer game and he's like, oh, yeah, you want to meet later? Like, and she's like, oh, cool. Yeah, let's do it. And he just runs away. And then he like goes to the garden and he's burying. Like, I, I was like, is that the panties? What is he doing? And it turns out to be a scarf. But why the fuck is that there? What did I miss? Did I miss something for real? Or is that just like, whoa, it's whatever. Part of I don't Frank, know. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, the anonymous call. I know it turns out to be like that skull that it's not real or anything, but is that supposed to be like foreshadowing us to like, see like, Oh, that's what that is. Because I was like totally thrown off. I was like, what is he supposed to be doing? Mm -hmm. What is that? Um, But it had no really, you really can't follow. You really can't follow a a story. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that's there to trick the audience, but yeah, we, we realized that it was yet another prank by Rudy. The prankster is the same guy who put the, the fucking rat in the beer. Yeah. So moving along, uh, <laughs> we do have the great uh, brain surgery scene where, where Tangie couldn't even watch it. She had to turn away. Uh, she was like, tell me what's over. I can't even look at this uh, because it is like probably the goriest uh, thing in the movie. Uh, where you see the flashback scene where Virginia's getting her brain operated on. And I, I read uh, that apparently in order to create the realism of that scene, they actually had a real brain surgeon that they brought onto the set uh, to perform on a, a fake brain. Uh, you know, so like that was a prop. It wasn't, he wasn't really doing it, but they wanted it to look authentic. And so like the stapling and the pulling back of the flap, that's like all how it would really look if you were performing on a, a brain a brain surgery. Yeah, so, it looked a lot like the ones I've operated on, just, you know, in an right. unlicensed fashion. <laughs> yes, well, you are a, a very famously a self-taught surgeon, which I, yeah. res- which I respect very much. <laughs> <laughs> but in that scene also, like at the end of it, he's like, she's dead. Close her up. Anema, bre- brain uh, anemia, whatever. Like, 
edema like anima, and so, anima. <laughs> no edema like i was like okay i i rewound these scenes back because i was trying to figure out if she was dead and they were re like fucking making new ones like mm-hmm. uh, that was another thing that was very confusing because that that plot drops off they 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 don't even explain really what the fuck happened to her it's all whatever like i guess draw your well, own fucking conclusions um well, but i, like, I I don't think that's necessarily true. I think they do draw conclusions, uh, but but yeah, it's it is definitely confusing, and you're wondering what the fuck is going on. But that's kind of you're supposed to. It's supposed to be like a mystery, and you're and you're slowly being fed different pieces of the puzzle. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's the way the movie plays out. Is you're not supposed to understand until the very end what's really happening. I guess that this is just not a very well done mystery then. In my opinion. In your opinion. Yep. So did you know who the killer was? I didn't care. That's 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 <laughs> sort of what it came down to, where I was like, okay, I don't even fucking care. Like everyone they're trying to throw you off so much from the beginning of this movie that I was like, I don't give a shit. And then at the end with the Scooby Doo fucking masks pull off and other I was like, okay, who fucking mm-hmm. okay, I'm yeah. done. I'm done with this All right. shit. So, well, I will. I will say while watching it, like I said, this was my friend Tangie's first time ever seeing it. We were watching it earlier, and uh, you know, we got about maybe halfway through, maybe a little more. And she turned to me and she's like, "You know what? This isn't bad. This isn't half bad. This isn't total trash." Because she's just so used to me showing her horrible, <laughs> horrible garbage movies. She's just like, "This actually is pretty good. I'm, I'm actually really liking this." Did yeah, you ruin? Just... Did you like ruin it all by showing her Patrick still lives right after that? <laughs> no, but you know, funny you mentioned that because uh, she saw it sitting around. And she was like, "Patrick still lives." That's a hilarious title. I want to watch this. I was like, "No, you don't. You really, <laughs> you really don't." She's like, "No, I want to see it. I can handle it." And I was, and I told her a little bit about the most extreme scenes, and she was like, "Yeah, I don't want to see that. You're right. I don't." <laughs> Oh god, but but you know it, it is funny. Like in some of these kill scenes, uh, you know, like the, the, we mentioned the shish kebab kill, and uh, I love that she invites the guy back for quote unquote snacks, and she goes <laughs> and he goes to her house and she's got like a fire lit and she makes shish kebabs. I'm like, man, if any girl invites me to her house for snacks and makes shish kebabs, I'm gonna put a ring on it, dude. I'm like, holy shit, this is your idea of snacks. Yeah, you know? well, it's it's a rich. This is the rich people's world that we're not part of. So that's right. That's right. Also, in the scene where they find the skull that uh, was planted by Rudy, the skull and the uh, and the scarf that confused John Wayne to no end. Uh, I love that uh, that the doctor, Doc Dave, you know, uh, is like, "Hey, let me look at that." And the police were like, "Okay," and they just give <laughs> yeah. it to him. And it's like this is fucking. Evidence, uh, another evidence. problem I had with it. <laughs> of course, doctor, take a look at it. I was like, they just what the it right fuck over. is going on in this movie? Ah, <laughs> uh, here it is. It says property yeah. of Jesus Christ superstar Jim or whatever. He could have said anything. And they're yeah. like, oh, oh, well, <laughs> what a bunch of pranksters. Like, they're fucking- yeah, yeah. It was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. I do love, though, that uh, Dr. Dave. Uh, he kind of has like a Tom, Tom Jones look to him where he's like got this butterfly collar shirt that he's only got like two buttons at the bottom button. The rest is open. He's got like a gold chain and a medallion. I was like, <laughs> God damn, dude. He's fucking pimping, you know? And there's off hours. He's he's Dr. Dave. You know, uh, so yeah, yeah. He's got it. 
So kind of like I like I like that though yeah. that he he says that about the sticker on the skull and the cops are like, well, that's all the convincing yep, I like, need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Move out, boys. You know, like that was it. Like, well, yeah. if this guy says it's it's nothing, then it must be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's something else I had noted going back to the uh, scene with the weightlifting and her dropping the weight on his sack and all that. I kind of figure like in real in real life, if you never say, oh, it's you when somebody comes into a room. And yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like if you yeah. if you like always refer to somebody by name when they come into a room, they can't kill you. But yeah. if you're just like yeah. vague and like, oh, it's you, then you're probably going to die. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. was another. Yeah, yeah I was going to I was also going to say that, like when the person walks in, he is like. Yeah, it does the, oh, it's you, you know, why was so-and-so such a bitch tonight? Yeah, I don't know either. Like, uh, help me fucking spot. And you're like, okay, what the hell is this? Like, clearly, <laughs> this is one of the friends. What are you but trying we, to make us think? But we've seen, that, we've seen that a lot in, like, the, in the Jello films and in the, the murder mysteries where it's like you're seeing from the killer's point of view and the person who's been running for their life is like, oh, thank God, it's you. And then you see the person realize that the quote-unquote you is the person that's been trying to kill them the whole time only didn't realize it uh mm. so yeah that's that's kind of a a lesser known trope in that kind of thing uh but yeah yeah we would definitely get that and it is funny like yeah who says that in real life like like i'm sitting there and john wayne walks in and i go oh it's you thank god it's you instead of being like hey what's up john wayne like no no one you do say way. thank god it's you when i came into a room though <laughs> well i mean i i am happy that it's you i do thank god every time i see you but but yeah. I, but I also use your name. I don't just go you for everything. In vain, I might yeah. add. <laughs> My son is also named Bort. Yeah, <laughs> dude, Nick and I, Nick P, uh, wherever this is, reference it. We stopped at like an Indian, like uh, Native American reservation, like a uh, store and gas station and shit. Like when we were driving recently, and they had all of those license plates, like with people's names on it, and there was a B one missing. It wasn't oh. Bort. It wasn't Bort, but I just like I could. I mean, I did the whole thing. It was uh, yeah. it was yeah. it was awesome. Um, you kind of have to. You, you have, have to. to. Yeah. You have yeah. to. It was in yeah. the B's, dude. There was a missing B. I don't care. Yeah. It wasn't in alphabetical order, but it could have been Bort. Yeah, you know? nice. Yeah, could have been. Uh, that, so that's what Weston name his kid Bort. Yes. <laughs> that's it. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Come along, Bort. <laughs> my son is also named Bort. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, anyway, it all kind of like rolls ahead. Uh, I don't want to give away all of the little twists and turns because there are a lot of twists and a lot of uh, stuff that makes you go whoa, whoa, whoa when you watch it. <laughs> uh, and and I really enjoy that. I like how in the ending. Um, you know, because it is called Happy Birthday to Me, and I'm not going to give it all away, but there is a birthday party uh, where all of these dead motherfuckers are lined up, and it's pretty fucking sweet. Uh, it's really kind of a dark thing to see all these like dead bodies propped up for this birthday party. Uh, but then you get a twist, and then you get another twist, and then another twist. Every time you think uh, you think you've you've got it figured out, they pull another M Night Shyamalan on your fucking ass. Uh, <laughs> And I, I and, and I liked it. Apparently, John Wayne didn't. Uh, uh, Ryan, how do you feel about all those twists? Oh, I love them. And like I said, man, the first time I saw the movie, you know, all this stuff just happening, and it's it's pretty unique as far yeah. as like the, the slasher genre goes. Because 
you know, usually the big reveal, it's like, oh, it's, you know, Jason's mom doing the killing. And then this one, it's, it's something totally, <laughs> yeah, totally different. Yeah. I mean, there's a big twist toward the end of the second act and it, it gives you an impression for the rest of the movie. That's not necessarily true. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does. Yeah. It, it, that's absolutely true. It, it makes you think that, okay, here's your killer. It shows you the killer or at least what you think is the killer. Uh, and so that goes on for the rest of the movie. And then you get to the ending and there's all these other twists and all these other things. Uh, and it was unique, particularly for the time in 1981, where this was the, the glorious slasher boom, where you basically just had, it was almost always just a man with an ax running around in the woods, a madman Mars or a Jason Voorhees or whatever. Uh, and this movie really does subvert that and does a real like guessing game. You know, it could have been, it was like the guess who of slasher movies. Yeah. Yeah. And John Wayne is, I forgot uh, one, (laughs) one, one, we were talking about shots, like, like awesome shots in this movie. And I forgot to bring up this one that I took a note of when they, they're doing a flashback of the birthday party that no one comes to. And she's talking on the phone to her father Mm -hmm. and the mother's in the background. And that's uh like split focus. They're both in focus, and that's like a Brian De Palma fucking yeah, move right there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, oh shit, that's really fucking cool that they did that, like in this 1981 fucking movie, you know? Nice. And uh, but if you don't like, just uh, people listening, like it's it's you know the foreground and the background of something are usually uh, you know one's blurred and one's in focus. Yeah, you get one or the other. Both, yeah. It's both in focus, and you still see the depth of the shot. Like you still understand the uh you know what you know how far back someone is and stuff mm-hmm. it's very cool and brian de palma did that a lot uh, yeah yeah he did and i think brian de palma pretty much was just trying to be jaylee thompson his whole career you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> no but you're right you're right it, it was definitely like the stylistic shot and like yeah. and that was one of the things that tangy said when she when we were watching it she's like yeah the cinematography and the way a lot of the shots are set up this is pretty good and that's why she was like wow this isn't total trash uh and you know again i had just dragged her to vhs fest where they showed you know like <laughs> this really terrible movies uh so uh she was actually kind of impressed to watch something that was actually pretty good Mm -hmm. uh which i which i certainly think happy birthday to me is uh so do you guys have anything else you want to add before we do our star ratings i like that uh when they're doing the flashbacks with her mom she says i'm a rich woman and i'm back to shove it in their faces yeah Yeah, that's pretty fucking yeah she is hardcore at that party that is awesome yeah, we get a lot of background on Virginia's mother and what really happened in the accident and uh, and how Virginia's mother was kind of an outsider uh, with all the rich kids. And now her daughter, you know, like she ended up marrying into money. And so, yeah, uh, there's a whole like dark element there, which I guess you don't you don't get like a lot of new money, old money, just <laughs> dichotomy in slasher movies. No, you don't. you don't. Yeah, you really don't. Um so yeah, I I felt that way as well. So I can smell my dinner is almost ready, and I want to eat it. So let's wrap up the show. Uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, let's wrap up the show and give our star ratings. So we'll start off with our guest as we always do. Ryan, what is your star rating uh, out of five stars? What do you give Happy Birthday to me? 
uh, like I said, it's in my top 10, uh, watching it again. I mean, the best time, the first time I saw it would definitely be five stars, uh, a little less now. Cause I mean, it is a little too long, I would say, but, mm. uh, I would still go four and a half stars. I think. Nice. Nice. I would agree that it's a little bit long. It's almost, it's like about two hours. Uh, it does go on a little longer, and there are these scenes, like the, we mentioned the scene where she's getting dressed, where it's like, we don't need this, just you know, move it along. Uh, so yeah, it definitely does get a little bit long. But okay, 4.5 stars from Mr. Ryan Harding. John Wayne, I'm guessing it's going to be significantly less <laughs> based on <laughs> well, everything you said so far. <laughs> no, I mean, here's the thing, like like you, like you, we were talking about, and why Tanji said this is a good movie. This is not a shit movie. This mm. the cinematography is well done. Those shots pop. Like I said, the first thing that grabbed me is that shot mm -hmm. of her hitting the ground and looking up, and she's very striking. And the you know her eyes pop. It's like and we get these Brian De Palma shots. We get these all all these very cool shots. So this is not like a shittily made movie. In my opinion, of watching this movie for the first time, I thought mm -hmm. it was a poorly executed movie. Okay. In that I just didn't buy it like the whole way through. I was like, okay, come on. How, how much are you going to try to fool me? You know, mm -hmm. because I'm not even someone that tries to figure out the movies, but like, if you're throwing it in my face that you don't want me to, I'm like, all right, why don't you just ask me to accept Jesus into my heart or something, you know, <laughs> <clears throat> but you know, it's not an awfully made movie. Obviously, uh, you know, people like it. You guys like it. It just wasn't my movie. Um, mm -hmm. and, and in my ratings of what I've been doing for Summer of Slashers, uh, I will give this a 1.5. Ooh, cold as ice. That's yeah. not cold as ice because <laughs> I, will, I would watch this again for another viewing just to be like, maybe I was wrong. Uh, but, you know, not tonight. Okay. No, <laughs> okay. it's fair enough. Fair enough. We all have our different opinions and rankings. And I've actually, I'm happy when we do a show. And we don't all totally agree because, you know, it's good to have different opposing views on, on the film. Um, so for me, uh, and I, I get what John Wayne is saying and I get what Ryan is saying as well. Uh, but personally, I got to disagree with, with John Wayne uh, in that I do think the movie makes sense. And I do think that um, when you when you like get down to the whole uh, trickery and making you question what's really happening i think that works in the movie's favor because as ryan said most slasher movies didn't try to do anything like that most slasher movies it's like okay you know it's michael myers you know it's jason if there was a big reveal it was like woohoo it's jason's mom it was a very simple reveal uh this is the first slasher movie uh that i know of that really pulled this kind of whodunit thing which is really more typical to the jello movies uh, mm -hmm. Of like, say, Argento or, or Bob or people like that. Uh, so I, I really dig that about it. Um, and I think it's it's well executed. I think it's well acted. I think the, the even though we don't get a lot of gruesome kills, the, the kills we get are very amusing. Uh, and, and they're not uh, total cutaways like April Fool's Day or some shit like that. Um, so as far as uh, everything, it kind of knocks off every checklist except for the nudity. Uh, we do get some beautiful girls, but we don't get any real nudity in it. Uh, but we have some decent gore. We have some creative kills. We have a fun story, a unique take on a slasher. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and give it four stars. Nice. Very good. It is good. 
Happy birthday to you, dude. Yeah, Thank birthday, you. Man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate you indulging me and uh, us doing this movie. Uh, is this the big four four? It is the double, the double, uh, the double, double deuce, uh, you might say. Yeah, I'll be, nice. I'll be joining you in a few months. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. You'll be in the big 404 club, man. It's, yeah. it's all over. It's all over. <laughs> it's uh, been over. <laughs> it's been, has been over. But, you know, like now it's going to give extra meaning to my uh, Ragland Mandy shirt that has the big 44 on the front. Uh, I think I'll be wearing that every day for the entire year that I'm 44. <laughs> but here's the good thing. We're in the top 10, guys. Yeah. We're in that top yes, 10. We are. We're not rich, but we're, we're, in the, rich we're in drinking at that inn. We've got that. We've got our own rat and we're putting it well, in our own Steiner. We're, we're drinking at the Red Roof Inn, which is That's where I, uh, myself ooh. And, and Carrie and Andy all stayed. Uh, Did you get a punch card? Those are good Red Roof Inns. Yeah, uh, well, it was kind of like it was a funny like motel feeling when we would be hanging out out front at yeah. sitting around my truck at one in the morning. It was a good yeah. time. Very <laughs> cool. Yeah, I love that. I love those hotels, motels. Yeah. So. All right, gentlemen, I think that's a show. Uh, I want to give extra special thanks to Ryan Harding for joining us again. Ryan, it's always a pleasure to have you on, man. I yeah. appreciate you guys bringing me on as a blast as always. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much for joining us, and uh, you know you'll be back, and and oh, we'll be sorry. This time it'll be personal. <laughs> I did want to mention an underrated slasher, since sometimes you ask that. Yeah, I would, yeah. I wanted to mention uh, don't open till Christmas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which that one is, is that? That's definitely a lesser known movie. Is that, that a French uh, one? Is that the French one that Joe Bob? That's a nope. that's a British one, uh, directed by uh, Edward Purdom. He was in Pieces, and uh, this is about somebody going around killing people dressed up as Santa Claus. So it's not Santa yeah. Claus killing; it's somebody going around killing people dressed as Santa Claus. Right? Nice. Yeah, it's kind so. of like the opposite of Silent Night, Night at Christmas Evil, which gives us an actual killer Santa. This guy is killing imposter Santos, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you, uh, if you do winter of slashers, that would be a, that would be a good one to, to highlight. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. It's one of those, those holiday slasher things, but yeah, that is a forgotten one. Uh, and yeah, sometimes we do this. I, I do want to do this more often with our, uh, with our celebrity guests. Uh, do you have a favorite slasher movie? Or a favorite slasher icon, whether they're big or small, whether it's Michael Myers or Madman Mars, you know. You yeah, my uh, my favorite slasher icon, besides Agent Orange, of course, would be Jason right. Voorhees. Because, I mean, yeah. Friday the 13th was my big gateway drug to being into horror. Mm -hmm. Like, the first one I saw was Halloween 2, I guess, when it was edited for TV. Okay. But, but uh, the one that just really like opened the floodgates was a Friday the 13th movie. But all-time favorite slasher, I'm probably going Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Yeah, that is a great one, man. That is a great one. It's a good choice. And I'm, and I'm guessing when you saw part five, it was over. You're like, oh, fuck, Roy is the man. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's it. Like, <laughs> I, do, yeah. I do love a new beginning, for sure. Yeah. Well, nice. we all do. Nice. Yeah. I, I have the same. Uh, I have the same mask you do with like the the, the Roy's boys mask. Yeah, Hell yeah, you do. Because we're Roy's boys, dude. Yeah, well, we're Roy's boys. 
And I do want to give shouts out also to you for narrating Pandemonium for the the audio book, which will be coming out soon, hopefully. Very soon. Or or it might be out while we're listening to this, but I'm sure it'll be posted. It was a lot of fun. That's a badass book. I I did I had a I had a great time narrating it. So I hope I hope everyone enjoys it. Thank you. Yes, and for those of you who don't know, Pandemonium uh is also uh kind of an homage to Italian horror as well. It's a wrestling uh event that plays out very much like a uh like like a demons movie by uh Lamberto Bava. Uh so there it has that element too. So we kind of come full circle with all of our topics. We have on this show. Yeah. We can finally die. <laughs> yeah. We can finally end the episode and That's all we've been waiting for. Yes, finally. Sweet release. Sweet, <laughs> sweet death. <laughs> all right. Thanks, uh, it's Ryan. a blast as always. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks Ryan. Ryan. Thanks, Sean thanks guys. All right, guys. Have a good night. All right. Good night. I'll see you all in hell. See you. <laughs>